time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in. It is the third and final hour here on Monday, which means it is time to switch over here and go into the Rolling Stones. And it is time to turn on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Hi, Tim. And uh, it's a little wet out there, so thanks for, for coming in despite the weather. I was, I was thinking this morning, it's only a handful of times that I've come in that, that it's really been raining, you know, hard. So uh, it's an unusual thing, but happy to do it. And it was, it was a little different this weekend. It rained on changes that they make inside for just the modern upgrades. Because if you've ever been into the Zyterian and you think to yourself, it's one thing if you go and you see like a concert and somebody brings in their own sound system. But when you go in there to see a show and you're like, wait a minute, they're coming out of those speakers that were put in in the 1920s. So to have an upgraded sound system, an upgraded lighting system will make a really big difference. Yeah, the seating. Um, the men's room is, is certainly in need of being upgraded. Anybody who's ever uh, been there. so uh, They're going to have more bathrooms <laughs> and more <laughs> yes. modernized bathrooms. There's a lot of things they can do. You think it's bad for the men. The women had to go out and go around. Like, they had the, the longer walk, so. Uh, but anyway, so that'll be something that we'll, we'll certainly keep an eye on as, um, as it's progressing. Uh, the, another story that uh, you guys have at newbedfordlight.org, and this is something that, that kind of broke on Friday, but as you mentioned, you know, we, we haven't really heard a lot of people talking about this, and, um, and maybe Chris will today, but uh, Representative Keating hosted a summit at UMass Dartmouth, and w in which he endorsed the idea of what people refer to as safe injection sites. Yeah, I thought it took a lot of courage, Representative Keating. Uh, um, uh, I, I, we were talking off air. I was wondering if uh, this is an indication that maybe he's going to retire because it is uh, uh, a loaded issue. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, people really get upset about safe injection sites as if it's encouraging addiction. People who are using safe addiction sites are already addicted. And, you know, it's, it's just a... a, a uh, an effort to keep cabs on them so that they won't overdose and, and die needlessly and they won't be out there doing crime and, and, and things that go along with addiction. You know, addiction, we now understand, is a, is a medical condition. Um, you can argue till the cows come home as to whether it's the people's responsibility themselves. Once it gets going, addiction is addiction and it's a very hard thing to break. And, and so I think that the, the more that society can try to help people. You won't be able to help all of them. No, no one is saying that you will. But you can at least help some of them and make the streets a little safer, make the conditions in, in which they shoot up and, and things like that a little safer. You know, I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. Um, I, I mean, it, it, it's just uh, a common sense to me that, that, that you want to, to try to get as good a control of the situation as you can. Well, this isn't like putting a, a recreational cannabis shop in a neighborhood where people are going to wander in and say, you know what, I think I will try marijuana for the first time. I've never done it before, but I think I'll try it. Nobody's going to walk up to a safe injection site that hasn't already done this and said, you know what, let me go in there and try heroin. 
That's that's right. That's right. And, and and the problem of addiction, anyone who's ever known someone who is struggling with it, is they uh, uh, loathe themselves as much as a- anyone because they know they're in the grips of it. They do not have any quality of life. They do not even get high anymore. You know, they're they're still chasing that that original high, but they never seem to obtain it. It's a medical need, and and um, I think that that. Uh, Having a place to do it, it's not going to make it um, attractive to me. Like, it's not going to make it attractive to most people. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's just uh, an effort to be humane. And what it'll do is it'll bring people in to a place where people can give them the services they need to try to get off of it. So they, mm-hmm. they show up to do it, and then there's somebody there to counsel them and say, well, do you really want to keep doing this? And then they say, no, I really don't. Okay, well, let's get you yeah. to the point where we can get you off of this. And, and you're getting... Um, Sober is not something that happens all at once. Sometimes there are many um, uh, fallbacks and, and many relapses. Uh, uh, that's, that's part of the nature of the disease. And so people do get sober, you know, and, and, and permanently, but not everybody does. And so, so you know, I, I just think it's, a, it's a, a more humane way of dealing with this. And uh, I was going to read um, Keating's quote from our, our story in the New Bedford Light this morning, if I can plug it a little bit absolutely and, yeah. uh, are we going to tra- try and save lives or not a- or not act and just let people die so that's the choice are we going to try to save lives or let people die I, you know, I've been thinking lately about the um, the tragedy that we're seeing in, in Israel and in Gaza and, and, the, and the awful loss of life of civilians on both sides and I, I just think that that um, that kind of civilian loss would be seen as just a part of warfare in centuries gone by but as we have modern technologies and we can see the images of, of, of what happens, this kind of loss of civilian life is no more acceptable. It, it, it just isn't. Um, war, I think, um, is, 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 a, is something that, you know, if, if you listen to the Pope and different people, it's, it's, it's something that, that, that mankind needs to leave behind. And, and, and um, so I know that it's not as easy as that, that there are things you have to defend yourself against. But I do think that... that um, whether it's addiction or um, uh, civilians, you know, losing their lives in, 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 in to violence like that, I, I think it's increasingly unacceptable. Uh, did Representative Keating give an idea of what he would envision these sites as being? Like, because I think people hear this and they think like, oh, there's just going to be a park where everybody can come and, and, and inject themselves if they choose to. But we're talking about a basically what would be a medical facility. It would be an, a supervised facility where it would not be something that would be out in public view. It would not be something the public would have access to. It would be a place that is designed for, you know, for treatment and care. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of an outdoor... Oh, I'm, um, just, I'm just safe. Yeah, I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, like, I mean... Because people are like, oh, if you start to have that, then everybody's going to know that you have that in this. It'll be yeah. in a place where you wouldn't even know what was happening. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that he got into that level of detail. The story, you know, doesn't say much about it. But I, I think that, um, you know, I envision a clinic type of uh, of setting with medical professionals on on site to um, to monitor it. Um, you know, this is uh, something that just uh, in the Ward Three election last year. Uh, 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 candidate Jacob Ventura brought up. Um, I think I, I, myself and a few other people gave him a little bit of a hard time on it at the time because there was no proposal in front of the city right then. Um, Keating's proposal, I don't, you know, I don't know whether it would be a state or a federal thing, but I, I still thought it was remarkable to have a sitting congressman endorse it. Yeah, and as you said, 
it, it's not going to curry him favor with some voters. And so it might be a sign that he's saying, you know what, if I am going to hang it up, I'm going to go out with putting in the putting out the initiatives that I want to see happen before, yeah, so before I, I do. I, I just think that the way we treat addiction now is uh, a 21st century approach. It is not the way that we might have treated it in the in the 20th century uh, when less was known about it. And, um, you know, certainly um, anyone who has a loved one, and that's most everybody, like, you know, who has um, uh, uh, been in the throes of addiction or had a friend that was in the throes of addiction, you know, knows that, that, that they want to keep that person alive if they can because there is, when it, with his life, there's a chance that they might beat it eventually. And it's important to note, too, that it's not just about the people who would, you know, go to these safe injection sites and, and utilize this. It's also about being able to show that as a community, you support anybody that is addicted to these substances. People who are still able to function and get through their everyday life and haven't gotten to that point of where they've hit rock bottom yet, but they see a community that's more compassionate about it, they might be more willing to seek out help too before they get to that point. Yeah. I mean, I think we've tried the tough love approach. We've, we've, we've tried the throw them all in jail approach and it doesn't seem to have worked. Um, you know, um, I guess I guess that approach that approach might work if you're in a, a dictatorial place like China, um, or you know, or although even the uh, former Soviet Union and Russia have have have, have immense addiction problems. Um, I don't want to live in China. Like you know, I, I want to live in a free society, and and um, I think that's the thing we should do. Well, we're going to talk more with Jack at 508-996-0500. We'll also talk more with you if you want to call in and discuss, or you can send in app chat messages. Uh, you can also send in open line voicemails, and we'll try to play those before the hour is out as well. But right now, why don't we take a break? We'll be back in just a few moments more as we are turning on the light with Jack Spillane here on WB. Welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane, and we're going to be talking about the New Bedford election and taking your calls at 508-996-0500. Uh, but, Jack, we'll talk about, you know, you were involved in one of the candidate discussions, debates, uh, debate a fair term, more I, I candidate think, night. I think it's technically a forum. candidate's night, but it, it's sort of like a debate because they are allowed to, to criticize each other and go back and forth, which they, if they want to. They usually don't, but they can. And then there is one tonight at 6 p.m. at Normandon Middle School for the Ward 1 race. That's what, that's what I understand, um, uh, which is one of the more hotly contested races because it was so close last time between yes. Brad Markey and Leo Chiquette. 44 votes last time. And um, that part of town is um, uh, a middle-class neighborhood where people tend to vote uh, more than some of the other uh, wards and um, also have a big issue in parallel products up there, which is it affects um, a certain part of Ward 1, not all of Ward 1, but... But I think that that will be a driver of votes. Too. You know, one thing that I've tried to do the last, as I've been driving around and going around to so many places, is because I've been just everywhere. But I was like, let me try and drive to some of these other parts of New Bedford that I haven't seen, that I haven't been to. And I went out to Ward 1 the other day and I went out and I took the route that the trucks would take for parallel products to go back to the highway so I could kind of envision it in my mind. But I was also just driving around and looking at the neighborhoods up there. And I just didn't realize just how expansive that area is and, you know, how many pl places would be impacted by those by those trucks coming through every day. Yeah. P Pine Hill Acres is the big suburban um, development up there. Um, the neighborhoods, the uh, ranch house neighborhoods, for, for lack of a better word, of the far north end, you could put them in Dartmouth or Fairhaven. They, they would look just like Dartmouth or Fairhaven. They're very suburban in nature, 
very much different than most of the city of New Bedford. Um, uh, and uh, a little bit uh, higher income, uh, high, higher participation in voting. Um, actually, not quite as high as Ward 5. Ward 5 is where the um, McMansions are. Not McMansions, mansions, mm-hmm. period, uh, from the old whaling days. Um, a lot of beautiful, classic old homes. And um, uh, I would say that the um, population in Ward 5 is a little bit more liberal than the population in Ward 1, more of the um, uh, well-educated, you know, professional-type people. But um, Ward 1 is, a, is going to be an interesting race. It it's, uh, uh, was close last time. Leo Chiquette has been working very hard. Uh, Brad Markey is a moderate you know, middle-of-the-road councillor. He uh, has uh, voted on both sides. He's voted with the mayor. He's voted with, with uh, Councillor Morad. Uh, you know, I think um, interesting race to watch. And in, in Ward 5, between Joe Lopes and, and Zach Boyer, do you have any inkling of how that might go? Well, in the, in the, in the primary, that one wasn't as close as Ward 1 was two years ago. Um, uh, I think Joe Lopes won pretty handily. Uh, Zach Boyer is an interesting candidate. Um, along with Shane Burgo, he is the only unabashed progressive. You know, everyone says Massachusetts is so liberal, but in New Bedford, you really have more of the blue-collar uh, Democratic voter. And so the, um, the unabashed progressive is, is uh, not as common. Shane Burgo has been that way. It looks like he's popular. He finished second in the uh, preliminary. Um, and Zach Boyer would be along those lines. Very nice guy. Um, and as Joe Lopes is a, is a nice guy, um, uh, there's been a little bit of criticism of, of Lopes for carpetbagging, moving from Ward 6 to Ward 5. Uh, uh, Boyer made that criticism at the last debate. Um, Lopes responded that he had moved into Ward 5 even before. Um, the, you know, the, um, it became apparent that um, Scott Lima was going to move to the um, election, uh, the uh, at-large at race. Yeah. I do want to mention the at-large race because I, I'm hearing... Uh, that that Mayor Mitchell, who doesn't often lend his political capital to anybody else, is working with Scott Lehmer in that at-large race. Well, uh, I so definitely that. want to dive into that a little bit more after we come back after the news. And we'll take your calls to 508-996-0500 if you want to chime in on it. Or you can send in those app chat messages or open line voicemails. But right now we are going to go into the newsroom. We're going to get all the headlines of the day, everything that's going on around the world and nationally with Ariel News. The new Speaker of the House says a standalone funding bill for Israel will go on the House floor this week. Louisiana Republican Mike Johnson said he called on President Biden to separate bills to provide aid for Israel and Ukraine when he met with him this week. The Biden administration is proposing a combined $100 billion aid package that includes both Israel and Ukraine. Police in Maine were sent to check on the man who killed 18 people in a mass shooting just weeks before it happened. The Maine National Guard reportedly asked local police to check on Robert Card after a soldier felt he may snap and commit a mass shooting. Card was found dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound Friday night. The United Auto Workers and Stellantis have reached a tentative contract deal, leaving just General Motors as the target of the week's long strike. The UAW says the deal with Stellantis is very similar to what Ford agreed to with a 25% pay raise over four years. UAW President Sean Fain says the 43,000 union members working for Stellantis still need to ratify the deal.
House Speaker Mike Johnson says a subpoena for the president's son, Hunter Biden, is overdue. Speaking on Fox News yesterday, Johnson said that desperate times call for desperate measures and the House will be moving forward very aggressively. Republicans are accusing President Biden of benefiting financially from his son's overseas business dealings. Former Vice President Mike Pence has dropped out of the race for the White House. He hasn't endorsed anyone for office yet, but his former boss thinks he should. Former President Trump spoke at a campaign event in Las Vegas Saturday night, hours after Pence made his surprise announcement during a speech at the Republican-Jewish correlation in Las Vegas. Trump said Pence should endorse him because he had a great successful presidency and he was the vice president. The Arizona Diamondbacks will host their first World Series game since 2001 tonight. The Diamondbacks and Texas Rangers will meet in Game 3 of the Fall Classic in Phoenix. The best of seven series is tied up at one game apiece after the team split the first two games in, in Texas. In more sports, the Bruins are hoping for a little revenge. After losing a 3-1 series lead and being eliminated by them in the first round of last year's Stanley Cup playoffs, Boston is hosting the Florida Panthers tonight at TD Garden. The Celtics are seeking their third straight win to start of the season. Boston hits the road for the first time when it visits the Washington Wizards tonight at Capital One Arena. The Celtics are coming off a big victory over the team that eliminated them in last year's Eastern Conference Finals. Boston topped the Miami Heat 119 to 111 in their home opener at TD Garden. And the Patriots have dropped four of their last five games after falling to the Miami Dolphins 31-17 at Hard Rock Stadium. Mac Jones completed 19 of his 29 pass attempts for 161 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Kendrick Bourne and Juju Smith-Schuster each found the end zone for the Pats. Kyle Duggar had an impressive performance after recording a tackle for loss, a sack, and an interception. New England is now last in the AFC East and will host the Washington Commanders this week at Gillette Stadium. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Good to be with you, everybody, on this Monday morning. We're starting out the morning with occasional rain, cool, damp, and raw. That is the story for the day. 40s this morning, mid-50s this afternoon. Showers will taper off as we head into the late evening hours. And as we head into tomorrow, we'll be seeing the coldest air we've seen this season for Halloween. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Ceci Del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Just a little little Halloween-y music there, Jack, to, yeah. to lead back into it. Halloween disco. <laughs> little uh, thriller, Michael Jackson. Oh, is that thriller? Yeah. I'm, I'm just picturing the next city council meeting. All the councilors come in and do the, yeah. you know, the zombie dance from that. No, yeah. Shane would. Shane would. Shane, Shane can get down. I've seen. I, I've seen him get down. I but. tried to convince him to sing um, at the start of the last candidate's night, but he said he was concentrating on what he was going to say. I told him some someday we're going to have him come in and just perform on the show. We won't talk about politics. We'll just have him come in and sing. Although it's always hard to do on the radio because it's not like. Yeah. It's not like a recording studio where you can kind of, it's not, we're, we're, we're actually like built for just speaking, for not speaking, for singing. Yeah. So all the processing gets a little bit weird. But uh, speaking of, of Shane Burgo, I want to 
point out, you know, as you mentioned, he was the second highest vote getter in the preliminary election. And I wanted to ask you if you think that that means, you know, is that a symptom of the fact that it was a, you know, a low turnout? Because I still don't love pointing at that and saying, you know, that that's explaining one thing or the other. Or is it a sign that there are younger progressive voters in New Bedford that might be actually coming out and going to the polls now? So I, I wrote a column about this, of course, and, and when he did finish second, um, I was a little surprised because I had um, some of the people who follow politics around town, some of the other candidates, predicting that he would not do well because of rent stabilization. Mm-hmm. And um, I never really bought that because 61% of the people who live in New Bedford are renters, and people say, well, they don't vote as much as homeowners, but they do vote. Some percentage of them vote. And... Um, and Shane also has, um, I think, Jim Lopes happening, helping him, who's a very adroit um, uh, person who understands politics in the city. Uh, he also is second on the ballot, um, which has, was pointed out to me. And when he ran and he finished fifth, he was only sixth on the ballot because of the state law, which is a terrible law, that all the incumbents have to come first and they have to come in alphabetical order. So Shane has got, gone from being sixth on the ballot to being second on the ballot. So I think that helps him. But I, I do think that, um, especially because there aren't a lot of, of candidates, I think Shane and, and Zach Boyer are the only two that are out and out endorsing rent stabilization. Everybody else mouthed some platitudes about it, but, but they're really there. Those voters have to go somewhere. And if there are only a couple of choices, they're all going to go to those voters. So... Um, I, 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 Shane, I think, is an incumbent, so he has less of a ways to go than Zach does. But um, yeah, I think I think he's I think he's a fairly strong candidate, and I think he's performed well. Um, if you saw him at the um, NAACP candidates' night, he was in command of that audience. This is a charismatic kid. I call him a kid because he's I think he's just thirty. Um, he uh, he just has gotten very articulate, very. Um, Able to speak in short sound bites. Uh, I, I think he's an impressive young man. Yeah, and I want to say that for anybody that might not agree with his policies and might not want to vote for him because of his policies, he's an excellent person. Like, as a person, he's he's just a kind, considerate person. Yes, yes, and, and I have given him some sharp criticism, particularly around the, 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 the time when I thought there was a deal to get things on the ballot. And he always returned my phone calls anyway. He believes in a free press, and he's not like some of the counselors or the mayor when they are put out with you, they don't return calls, which I think is, is you know, you don't return the calls for me. You return them for the public. Right. You know, that's the way I feel about it. And you had mentioned prior to the news that, uh, you know, Mayor Mitchell seems to be endorsing Scott Lima. And, I mean, when you think about it, Scott Lima has made no qualms about the, one of the big reasons why he wants to run for the at-large is because he wants to focus on issues that have to do with the waterfront. And, you know, he's he's working in that capacity now. And uh, I think that that is, of course, one of the mayor's big initiatives. So it makes sense for them to, to partner on this. Yeah, I don't I don't think the mayor has technically endorsed him, but uh, it's no secret that 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 uh, he's working with him. You hear it all around town. Um, you may remember that when um, the Councilor Gomes tried to get the four-year mayoral term uh, take on the ballot to rescind it just after a few years after we put it in, um, it was Lima who, who, who flipped his vote on that. And what he said at the time was he had talked to the mayor about working on a recall provision mm-hmm. for mayor, which I think you have to be very careful. Remember up in Fall River when they had the recall permission the first time they did the recall, Jaisal won it. And he was, he was recalled and then put back in in the same election. 
So I think I would hope that if they do do a recall, it would be a, a better one than the one Fall River has. Wait, but, that was that was the second time they did it. So, the, so the, they had two recalls. So Jason got in trouble. He was indicted. Right, but before that, they recalled Flanagan, didn't they? Um, they recalled Flanagan and Sutter won in that recall election. Yes. So yes. it was actually the second of oh, the recalls. Oh, I see. That they I, did. Meant, I meant the first. The of, first of, of Jason's two recalls. <laughs> but and, just the fact that we're talking know, about you, three recalls you, proves your when point. When you think that New Bedford politics is tough, you've had you know three mayors in Fall River recalled. Uh, I, I mean, so, and one go to jail. Right. You're. So, Point well taken, Jack. <laughs> so the politics they are. in New Bedford could be worse. <laughs> so, but I think that having, uh, you know, having someone in that race, in that at-large race, who has proven themselves already as a counselor on the current council. I mean, I know that we also have a former counselor uh, as well in Bruce Duart, but you've got somebody here who has, you know, has a good track record with this own council. But it also creates, I would wonder, what's going to happen if you do displace one of your current colleagues. Because if you look at the preliminary election, he has a good chance of doing so, Scott Lima does. So, I mean, what does that say about the the, the balance and the chemistry on the council? Yeah, well, I I think clearly in the preliminary election, um, Naomi Connie, and I think it was 37 votes ahead of Lima, she finished, and Linda Morad, just another 60 votes ahead of that. So they both are on the cusp. And I think there's been a lot of publicity about controversies in the council this last term. I think that they're both uh, in trouble, uh, Naomi a little bit more than Linda. Um, Scott is the most likely to, to, to come in, but I think Devin Burns, uh, the um, owner of Destination Soups, uh, 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 well-known, you know, intelligent uh, man, um, you know, could pose a threat too. I, I think that um, both Morad and Connie have mobilized. You see a lot of um, uh, visibilities for them now, and they're... they're, they're they're working hard. Uh, um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I think that, that Lima is kind of running almost like an incumbent. He doesn't, he doesn't get that, that ballot placement that you would get as an incumbent, but everybody knows him. Bruce Duart hasn't been in office for 10, 12 years. I think Scott is a, is a fresh face. People are used to him being on the ballot. Um, uh, I've heard he's working Ward 1 and Ward 6 pretty hard. Uh, uh, Personally, I think he should work one four uh, hard, but but uh, uh, so we'll see. It's it's, a, it's an interesting election this year. Absolutely. Well, we'll take your thoughts on it. 508-996-0500. But we're going to take a break and be back in a few moments. More turning on the light with Jack Spillane. When we re- <laughs> welcome back in, we are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. 508-996-0500. If you want to call him with any questions. Uh, Bags in New Bedford says, you guys want these safe injection sites so bad. I'm sure you won't mind when they put them right next door to your houses, right? And then thumbs up emoji and clown emoji. Well, like, well, yeah, okay. They can put it right next to my house. I hope they put one next to yours too, because that's more people that can be helped yeah well you know i i live in downtown new bedford and so wherever they put it that would be a prime place where it probably could go and so you know it would be near to to me you know i I mean i i i see people who are in the throes of addiction every day and in in both the downtown and you see them on a question avenue in the north end on rivet street uh you know you don't have to go far there are addicts living in the houses around us already so if we can give them somewhere where they could be safe rather than overdosing in their apartment, rather than overdosing in their own home. I mean, the, the, the people who are addicted are here. So whether they're in a safe injection site or they're in a park or they're in their home, they're here. So the, the, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the, the, the writer seems to be saying that more of them will come 
if you have in safe injection sites. And I'm, I'm not sure that that, I mean, I don't know. You're, you're also referring to them too as if there's some sort of subclass of people and you, they're not. Yeah, you're telling me that, that people say, I, I'd like to become an addict because now you can do it legally. I, I, I don't want to be an addict under any circumstance. And as we know, so many of the people who are addicted are becoming addicted by taking legal, um, you know, legal opiates that yeah. eventually end up then having to turn to heroin because they can't get the opiates anymore. So I, I, I don't know. I think, I think uh, yes, I would. I would have no problem with there being one next door to me because I'm a compassionate person and I know that it'll help and I know that it won't cause any problems that people think that it would. Yeah, and it'd probably be you know, better monitored than, than a park, for, for instance, or, or something. Well, 508-996-0500. Uh, going back to the election. So have you seen anything, you know, so we, we complain about what the voter turnout has been. It wasn't great in the last municipal election. Certainly wasn't great in the preliminary election. We want to see more of an effort to get people to come out and vote. Have you seen more of an effort by the city to get more people involved in this election? Yeah. Um, uh, Manny DiPrito uh, expanded the um, number of early voting sites. It used to be just the downtown library. And now we have it up at uh, Tabor Mills and also at the um, rec center in the south end at Hazelwood Park. So... Uh, you know, I, I think there's been that effort. Uh, Manny has said that more people turned out in the preliminary. I, I do take issue with um, what I consider the um, uh, singling out of New Bedford as having low voter turnout. In one of my columns this year, I wrote a, a column about uh, the the final elections as being compared to the town spring elections. And as I said in that column, I think it was 10.8% in the last municipal election in New Bedford, which did not have a mayoral race. And in Dartmouth, you had 12.7% and in Fairhaven, 13.8%. So they're all in, the, in 10, 12, 13. People aren't voting anymore. So I think we need to do all we can to encourage them to vote. But I don't think it's just a New Bedford problem. And I think, too, that um, we are seeing more of the elected officials coming out and emphasizing the need to get out there and vote where in the past, you know, they might have kind of take it for, taken it for granted that people would, would do that. So I'm hearing more of a, of a chorus of voices uh, encouraging it. Yeah. So I actually think it has more to do with the changing media landscape in America than anything. You know, when I was growing up, there, were, there was one newspaper in my hometown, one state newspaper, and there was um, three television stations. And you didn't have all these various entertainment options both on cable TV and on the internet, uh, satellite. Um, there's just so many ways that you don't have to ever follow public affairs. It used to be that at 6 o'clock the news came on and nothing else was on, so everybody had to watch it. You know, in the front page of the paper was substantive stories about what was happening around town every day. So those days are gone, and there are people now, many of them, who all they do is, for instance, watch sports, or all they do is watch... Um, game shows or entertainment TV or, or, or scroll on their phones. Um, and so they never have to, you know, it's all TikTok all day long. So you don't really have to opt in to the civic life, the government life of the community. And I think that that goes across the board. Well, let's, uh, let's take some phone calls here. You are on next with Jack Splane. Good morning. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Hey, I appreciate uh, uh, Congressman Keating bringing up the drug issue because, you know, it's a big problem in this area. However, why wouldn't, like, it's always the same thing, right? We're going after, like, you know, we're, we're putting things in place, so on and so forth, um, 
to make it more, I, I, I see it as more accessible in a way. Uh, however, why aren't we, like, targeting the youth and putting, for example, like, baseball, like baseball, um, uh, youth baseball, for example, where the parents are always having uh, these basically fundraisers to to be able to fix the fields and so on and so forth. Why isn't money going into that? Why do the parents have to, like, you know, put on these fundraisers and to get money to fix these fields rather than putting the money into that to kind of structure kids' uh, they, their days so they don't get into drugs? Why aren't we being proactive? Well, Jack, Jack, Jack did a whole article on, on the need for improving some of the parks, and he knows about the ins and outs of how that happens. Yeah, yeah a- and, and also, real quick, same thing with insurances. I think that's the real problem where cheating can actually have influence in it. Like, for example, insurances that only pay seven days for to send people to detox. By seven days, you're not even done crapping yourself. But yet they have to go back out into the community, get high again, in order to go back to a facility to get help. Isn't that where he should put most of his efforts is to changing that insurance. Right. insurance. Well, let's get Jack's uh, response here. We're, we're up against the clock. So, Jack, what yeah, do you think? Uh, so I, I do think that um, uh, uh, certainly we need to have more you know, youth sports leagues and, and, and stuff like that. There are many youth uh, baseball leagues in New Bedford. And I did that one in, in a very low-income neighborhood where I felt that the city had not put enough money in. The city probably puts more money in recreation than it ever did in the past. I think that adults are not is involved in volunteering as they once did. Again, I, I, I put that to the decline of society where people are all on their own phones and in their own silos and their own entertainment options. And But there's still a lot of volunteerism out there. I would like to take issue with his saying that safe injection sites uh, make uh, drug use more accessible. Anybody who wants to do drugs is finding them and doing them now. So you, you can't be any more accessible than we already are. It's just safer. That, that, that's that's what I, I think. All right, I got to hold it there just because I got to take one more break here before we run out of time. But thank you for the call. We'll be back in just a <laughs> All right, back with Jack Spillane. Let's, uh, let's go to one last call here. Good morning. You're with Jack Spillane on WBSM. Yes, quickly, Jack. I want to thank you for uh, moderating the debate the other night there. I went there and just listened, and it was uh, very nice to get to hear the candidates that showed up and uh, expressed themselves. Uh, Joe, I wish you came over and introduced yourself to me. I'd like to meet you. No, your average Joe likes to stay on the phone. <laughs> Getting out to go there was uh, enough of a, an issue for me. But uh, other than that, though, it was a good. You know, I think it ran a little long, and maybe in the future, since you had so many, uh, and I know I, I you know, uh, so many at large candidates, it, it's too bad he couldn't have been separated. Uh, uh, but other than that, I think you did a nice job. Yeah, I agree on the length. We, we, we need to divide it up. Okay, that's what all I got to say. All right, thank you, sir. Thank Have you. a good day. And uh, yes, so there will be another uh, discussion tonight, another forum, another debate, however you want to look at it. But that's happening uh, at Normandon at six p.m. Yeah, at Normandon at six p.m. The Ward One race between um, incumbent Councilor Brad Markey and challenger Leo Chiquette, who uh, came close to to beating him two years ago. So uh, that should be a pretty well attended, um, I would assume, because, you know, parallel products is a big issue. Ward 1 voters are coming out this year to vote for sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
uh, I, I'm just a little bit worried. I, I think this debate is going to is going to is going to come off, but I'm hearing some things behind the scenes about some personal matters that sure. that it might, but but uh, um, but hopefully it will. Let's see if we can squeeze in one more here. You're on with Jack Blaine. Hello. Morning, gentlemen. Thank you guys for the service you provide. Next Monday morning, I'm going to call in and I'm going to throw out my predictions for all the races and the percentage of voter turnout. All right. Well, we look forward to that. Hopefully, I can educate you a little bit, Tim, because you've been slapping late. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> Have a good one, gentlemen. You too. All right, we are uh, we are just about out of time, Jack. What what are you working on this week at NewBedfordLight.org? So it is election season, so I'm working on a, a couple of things for the election, and and, uh, and I'm also working on some things for the, for the Star Store. There are still things going on behind the scenes that people um, don't know about and might be interested in. Is it that you're going to go down there and single handedly refurbish the Star Store and put the kids back in? No, no? I, I don't even think I would. I, I would be able to do that. <laughs> I, I I think I would if I could, but I. I don't think I would. I think uh, I think you'll have a lot of people that are you know interested in finding out what those developments are because listen, no matter we might get a few comments here and there that people say, well, why are you guys still talking about that if there's nothing happening? But as you said, a lot is happening behind the scenes, and this is going to this is this is a a blunder of epic proportions that some I think some heads will roll as a result of. Yeah, and I think as that building is empty the next few years, people will will see just how. It's the biggest building in the downtown. It's how how big a problem it's going to be. All right. Well, we will look forward to reading about all of that at newbedfordlight.org. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow morning with a special Halloween edition of the show. Uh, We will be talking also about breast cancer awareness tomorrow as well. Stay tuned for Chris McCarthy. He's got you you covered with South Coast Now coming up. Uh, I look forward to seeing everybody that's coming out to Plymouth tonight to hear me talk about the ghost of the Bridgewater Triangle. 